Hello and welcome to the World Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news and analysis and debate Monday to Friday just in time for your daily commute. I'm Jules Boyle and today I'm joined by the man whose number is at the top of Jackie McNamara's speed dial, it's Adam Miller, and the man that beats the drum at the end of your particular Football Scotland galley, it's Johnny McFarlane. Can I just say I've never spoken to Jackie McNamara <laughs> in my life. I, I have, but I'm not going to admit when. <laughs> Yesterday. On the podcast today, we're going to be having a look at latest um, what's happening. We, Neil Lennon's made comments basically saying... Um, the, the league's too long, it goes on for too long, there's not enough gaps in between and players are coming back and getting straight back in here. So going to have a look at that. Also going to look at the latest goings on with Ryan Kent, what's happened with him and then the latest part of that particular saga. And another Ryan, Ryan Gold, um, whose glory times over um, abroad doesn't seem to be going quite as well as it was at some point. And there might be some a wee bit extra thing at the end if I've got time. Alright, well first up, um, Neil Lennon, um, not in particular about Neil Lennon, he's come out and said the Champions League qualifying schedule this season is ridiculous, is the exact words, because um, basically his team are going through four rounds of qualifying if he wanted to progress to the group stage, same as any champion would at that, at that level. Um, his exact words um, for yourselves, the eight games and eight weeks schedules are ridiculous, that's almost a quarter of a season before the ball's hardly been kicked in the Premiership. We've touched on this for years, there's no benefit for any team, there's no respite for the players at all, it's very difficult. Now he made a point to say that they're not moaning about it and they're getting on with it, but it is. it, it does seem more and more insane as these things get added on. I don't think he even has to ask either if you agree with him, I think it's kind of unarguable that this kind of gruelling schedule is a bad thing surely. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, you only have to look at Callum McGregor last season, 69 games, no sports scientists in the land will tell you that's in any way sensible. Uh, I think from a practical point of view, though, it's here to stay because we continually perform badly in European competition as a Scottish collective. Celtic are the only ones that are really holding holding us up in that regard. And of course, Rangers last season added to that. But if you look over the course of five years, which is where these things are judged, um, we've had far too many teams, far too many second and third place finishes that have just not given us what we require to um, up our European coefficient. So until we do that, until we start consistently performing better than we are now, then we're going to be stuck with this. Um, In the meantime, I think there needs to be serious consideration about bringing the season back into the middle of May um, and starting the season earlier into the summer. Uh, I think it would be good for the fans to start when the weather's sunnier, get a lot of the games out of the way so we're not playing midweek games in winter if it was possible to do that. I think that would be a big hit in Scotland. We've already seen the League Cup um, start in the summer to, I think, a, uh, much acclaim. I think a lot of people like it. And I would look to start to get the season started earlier as well. I think the more up and at it you are for these qualifiers, the more likely you are to do well in them. I think we've seen traditionally uh, a lot of surprise results in the early stages of qualifying campaigns in the Champions League or Europa League because teams who start back a bit earlier are into their rhythm and that's when you can take the sort of bigger clubs by surprise. So it's a long road for Celtic to the group stages and they'll probably at every stage of that be drawn against a team that on paper they would be expected to at the very least compete against and probably beat. But given the schedule that they're facing, um, given the way that the season's structured and maybe the lack of a break they've had, I don't know that Celtic will necessarily hit top form by the time they're into 
if they do get there, say the third qualifying stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these things are every game, everyone in these games a banana skin. I think. Do you know what I mean? I like a lot of fans looking and think, oh, never heard of them. Easy, never heard of them. And then actually, you see it, and nine times out of ten or whatever, they're halfway through their season, or they've got money behind them, or whatever these sort of things, or it's far away, and the teams are just basically starting. They're literally coming out their summer training camp, and they're going into essentially what's most important games of their season. Well, if you want to get into the technical details of it, I spoke to a sports scientist about this last week, and he was talking about the need to really, really hammer the players in that um, pre-season camp to get them up to speed quickly so they are ready um, for the rigours of um, early qualifying rounds which can be notoriously difficult to get through. You saw Rangers um, really struggle through their first round game. I can't remember the team. It was I think it was a Macedonian team. They won 2-0 at Ibrox and then they drew 0-0 but the, the away game was a, was a tough game um, and that was the first qualifying round of the Europa League. But I think there's two schools of thought for sports science. One is that you absolutely beast the players and you get them physically robust, and that allows them to see off injury as the season progresses. Or there's another approach which is popularised on Twitter by a guy called Raymond Verheyen, who is a Dutch um, sports scientist who talks about, uh, in professional elite sport, you want to keep players just ticking over, um, because you don't want to overstretch them. If you have them in big peaks and, and troughs, then then they are, uh, it's, it has a negative effect on their um, their physiology. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting because there's not agreement amongst the sports science community on it. I think as much as it's important to uh, you know be putting them through their paces and have them up to match fitness by the time these games come, I think it's also every bit as important that they're given a proper break between the seasons. I felt, and I don't know how the players feel about it, but I really felt like that was a very intense season that's just finished and it felt like five minutes between the end of it and then the start of pre-season training. It didn't feel like there was a gap there. It felt like a couple of weeks, maybe, uh, where there was nothing going on. Um, and so uh, as much as, not just physically, but psychologically, I think players need time to just be away from football, which is uh, you know, slightly uh, going off on a tangent here, but uh, y- y- when you see players getting harassed on holiday, whether in Ibiza or whatever, obviously they have to represent their clubs and not do anything completely ridiculous but these guys need a bit of time just psychologically to let off steam because they're going through you know they're going from an incredibly intense season Callum McGregor being the perfect example there the ridiculous amount of games he played last season to be in a pre-season training camp a couple of weeks later in intense heat having to prepare themselves for the first of potentially four qualifying rounds for the Champions League and you see sometimes as well really elite players at the end of the season, particularly if it's been a World Cup or European Championship summer, really not looking their best, not, not looking herself at the end of that season as the last few games come in because they're just completely burnt out. And that that's not just any old player, that's elite players coming towards the end of their season. You can really feel the impact of having almost no break during the summer. So I think from a physical and psychological perspective, they really need a reason, a decent sized break. Yeah, I think so. Summer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at McGregor, as we said, that amount of games. Obviously, he had international duty at the end of the season as well. A lot of other players did. I mean, a few Rangers players were over doing that. And they all got extra time to come back. They, they came to the training ground, the training thing a wee bit later, which, you know, it makes sense. But at the same time, they're still doing even more work. Do you know what I mean, they're getting a wee bit off extra and then they're back in the training camp. So they're getting less and less and less. And the next thing, they've been at these games as well. You can't, you can't expect players, and obviously and none of them are moaning, this is the key thing. It makes international football even less appealing than it yeah. already is yeah. to the modern day footballer who is looking at his bank balance and looking at 
this freebie that he gives away um, for the sake of nationalism, uh, where he's putting his 300 grand a week on the line um, mm-hmm. to play for nothing, essentially. Yeah. And sofa as well, just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you wonder why. In this day and age, players are are less seem less keen to play for for Scotland, for example. And it's simple, it's simple as anything. It's, it's money that's going to affect, potentially affect your family, potentially affect your ability to to um, have a decent life because football is a short career. And uh, with all these games, you're you're always putting that added stress on your joints, on your muscles, on your calves, every part of your 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 body that you use uh, as a football player. And uh, you can see absolutely why players are retiring left, right and centre, why they're putting themselves uh, in a position where they say, right, mm, I'll maybe skip that game, I'll skip that game. And I think uh, international football, to be honest, as much as I've enjoyed it over the years, sometimes it feels like a bit of an anachronism in this modern game. And Yeah, and sometimes when players are picking up injuries, whether it's an international duty or at club level, they're being rushed back because the fixture list is so demanding and yeah. the squad can't allow for players to be out for such a long period of time. So probably one of the most recent examples was Harry Kane in the Champions League final. That's a guy that had a gruelling season off the back of a World Cup where he was a focal point in England's run to the semis. Um, he had picked up a serious injury and clearly been rushed back. He was completely ineffective in that game and I don't think it was massively surprising either. Like when, As soon as you heard that he was playing, you thought... Uh, that doesn't make any sense. It, you th- it doesn't make sense. They've clearly rushed him back because um, he didn't look like being ready and then they put him in and he did nothing in that game and you think a little bit more pace, uh, maybe a player of less ability, but Lucas Moura would have been, I think, more effective. For me, there's a big... Going back to the main point, there is a big pressure on Aberdeen and Kilmarnock this year because these sides um, who have come second, uh, sorry, third and fourth haven't done enough for me, or the cup winners, after the first and second position, they've not done enough, and uh, you really, really hope that these guys, because they're both decent sides, can have a sustained run to maybe at least the third qualifying stage, you don't want to get in a situation what we've seen in the past with teams from Macedonia or Lithuania or Latvia putting, putting people out in that early stage, because it just plays havoc with um, the the qualification process for the the years ahead in terms of the the, the rankings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've seen it. You've seen it for years and years. Celtic fans, Rangers fans, Aberdeen fans, whatever. Um, are doing a. They want to see their rivals getting stuffed in Europe. They don't want to see them do well. They don't want to see anything like that. And I've always sort of the opinion: whatever team you support, you maybe want the other teams to you know do one less than you. Maybe I mean, you want you want the coefficient brought up, even for your own team. Do you know what I mean? And any Celtic fan who just wants to see everyone do rubbish part for them, now you're paying the paper for that. You've, you've got four qualifying rounds, eight games, eight weeks. Each one of them, that could be an absolute disaster for us. Do you want to take that call? No, it's just my wife. Oh, but is it, is it, it's not an emergency? No, it won't be. Right, okay. Show text. Okay, good. That's why I was just like that. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's just like I was looking at <laughs> just that. Just my clock. Just seeing the size of your phone there. Yeah, like loads of totally. Do you want to move on from that? Uh, yeah. Um, where do I get to? Just, I would just say, well, okay, moving Aye. on. Okay, moving on. That's fine. We're done. Right. Anyway. 
Okay, moving on. Um, Ryan Kent is back in the headlines again, just for a wee change. Um, this saga's been running longer than even the Turnbull one, I think. Um, Rangers desperately want him, they've made that very clear. Probably as a loan year, though, as that £12 million pound, uh, price tag at Liverpool is stuck on his head. It's probably a bit prohibitive for the team, I think. Middlesbrough and Leeds are the latest club's been bandied about, but the latter's just signed Jack Clark, so their need for another wide man isn't really quite as burning as it used to be. But the longer it goes on, the more likely a loan deal is, we think, um, with him. But this window's got a long way to go. Do you think it's going to end with him at Ibrooks? Yes, I do. Um, because... I don't think there's anybody looking to snap Liverpool's hand off for paying £12 million for the player. Uh, at the end of the day, he's had a very, very good season at Rangers. But if you actually start to analyse what he's achieved in terms of assists and goals, the key things that people are looking at, um, I don't think he had that great a season. What he did do really well was play well in the big games. Uh, I think he's a tactically intelligent player who works hard as well as being a skillful player who can uh, isolate his man, uh, run with the ball, carry the ball well. Um, but I don't think at that price, that £12 million that Liverpool are looking to cash in on, I don't think there'll be any any takers. Um, now, I might be proved wrong with that because championship clubs might get desperate and think, you know what, we need a winger, we're going to splash out. As you say, Leeds have signed two players, actually, today. Um, so, both wingers. So, you would think that that would rule them out, essentially, of the running. Um, my understanding from a journalist down there is that Leeds didn't get very far with their inquiries for Ryan Kent anyway. And uh, Middlesbrough, recently been taken over by Jonathan Woodgate, former Real Madrid player, who wants to bring a younger profile to the club, um, is also interested, and has been interested for a while, in bringing Ryan Kent to the club. But again, I'm not sure how far that's progressed. From what everyone is saying, it seems that Ryan Kent does want to return to Rangers. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to be able to persuade Liverpool, or be stubborn enough to persuade Liverpool to take him, because... If clubs were to come in with an offer for a permanent transfer and Kent was to turn them down, Liverpool are not going to want him sitting, you know, not even on the bench, not even in the squad in the under in the under twenties or the under twenty threes or whatever it is down there. So um if he hangs tough and says he wants to go back to Rangers, I think he'll get his way. And it looks like to me that that's what's going to happen. Uh, whether or not Liverpool will be happy with that, I'm not sure. They might want him to go to the championship. I've haven't had such a successful season. Uh, as a, as the next step in his development, I think uh, this Kent the fact the fact that this has become a saga this Kent thing illustrates uh, how the the difference in priorities with Rangers and Liverpool. I think for Rangers, it's probably Gerrard's number one priority at the moment is bringing Kent back for the new season. For Klopp, the guy who's just won the Champions League, this will rank so low down on his to do list at the moment. Um, so that's why I think there's probably a frustration for Rangers fans. And uh, the fact that this has dragged on for so long, but for Klopp, it it'll be something that gets resolved between now and the end of the window. I don't think it's going to get resolved either way for another couple of weeks at least. Um, I think Kent, you were talking about the the actual stats not showing anything fantastic. I think it's more, as you say, the the big games. He's a creative player. He's an exciting player when he gets on the ball, and he kind of gets the fans excited. But I think if Rangers lose out on him, I don't think in terms of, as you said, the numbers, I don't think it's a huge loss for Rangers. He's an exciting guy that gets fans off their seats, but I think um, given that Gerard has made so many signings this summer and might still make more, I think Rangers are still in a relatively strong position for this season if they don't manage to get Ryan Kent. Yeah, they've got Shea Ojo, they've got Jake Hasty, they've got Jordan Jones, they've got Daniel Candias. Um, they've added Greg Stewart who can play wide, but although he's better through the middle, they've got significantly more options this year. And if 
Gerard's team are still struggling to break down low, deep-lying opposition. Um, I think it'll be because Steven Gerrard and Michael Beal haven't um, put together a co- coherent tactical plan because they've got enough players in that they wanted now that that, that should be able to happen. Uh, Jordan Jones, there's question marks over him. Uh, Jake Hastie's a young lad, but they, they've got enough confirmed quality. And I think uh, Shea Ojo, to me, has the makings of a very, very good sign. And I watched the... Um, the preview, the sorry, sorry, the, the um, friendly match against Macclesfield, which is played behind closed doors, but um, obviously you can watch the the full game online. And uh, he looked physical, muscular, skillful, fast. I really, really liked the look of him, and I think he could be a very, very good player for Rangers in the Premier League. He's not going to get bullied. A lot of wingers come from to this country, and they just get muscled out of the game. That is not going to happen with this boy. He is a tank. Um, but he's also lightning fast and has got a skill, a bit of skill. Um, there's a couple of moments. Um, somebody found him on the edge of the box. He shifted the ball to his left and just put in a beautiful curling shot just past the post. Um, he scored a great goal, which he had no right of getting on the end of, but he really, really wanted it. Got through a defender to get his leg, uh, just touching the ball into the net. It was from close range, but it was, the, it was all about the desire to get there. So he looks to me like a player already that's shown, and I know it's a friendly against Macclesfield, but he showed enough to, to suggest to me that given his background, um, given his age, given his physical profile, he can be a very, very good signing for Rangers indeed. Yeah, I mean, Gerard says he plans on bringing more players in. Um, he's made no secret of that. It's also, I mean, the Kent thing, he does seem to be his number one priority. But as you both said, how badly do they need him? I mean, if they don't get him, are they going to kind of look to fill that space more or will they look other areas? I think they'll... I think they'll have backup options in mind because it's not Liverpool are not the club, the sort of club you can just go to and go, well, we're going to tempt you with another year at Rangers and uh, Liverpool won't be able to compete with what Rangers are offering. <laughs> um, I think there is clearly some appetite on the players' part to be coming to Rangers for the next season. However, as I said before, it's really not a top priority for Liverpool, so Rangers are probably going to have to sweat on this one for a while. And there might come a point if we're... And, you know, if we're edging towards the end of the window and Liverpool haven't given them the decision, Gerrard's then going to have to decide if he's going to this sort of list of backups that he presumably has if he can't get Kent. Rangers have done their big, the biggest amount of their work early doors in the window and that sets them up well because they've now got a pretty good-looking squad in, in lots of different areas. There's not many places in that squad you think Rangers are looking short. Maybe it's centre-half where they've only got three... Uh, renowned centre halves, but so you could do with another another one to replace Gareth McCauley. But all throughout the rest of the squad, they've got competition for places. What Kent would add is the X factor. You've got Scott Arfield, who's looked really good on the left hand side of of a, of a front three. You've got Morelos or Defoe that can play up there, both more than good enough at the Scottish Premier League level, Scottish Premiership level. And then on the right, you've got Ojo. If you've got Kent to add into that mix, that's another player that's essentially a guaranteed performer. And that would allow you to really mix and match. It would mean if there's an injury, you've still got a lot of options. It means you can attack different ways and different different games in different ways because you know Scott Arfield is a different type to Ryan Kent. Um, but I think he he showed a lot to suggest Ryan Kent that while last year, in terms of the numbers as I've already stated, wasn't spectacular. He showed enough to suggest to me as the season went on, he was learning about the league, learning about Rangers, and learning about Steven Gerrard and the way he wanted to play. And by the end of the season, he looked like a different player to the one that started. And I think if he can bring that into uh, this next season, if he signs, and I think the signs are that he would if he signed, then I think he could be a player that really 
explodes this year. And that, I think, is why Gerard will be so keen to get him because he was he kind of looked like that, that spring that was coiling up, just ready, just ready to, 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 to spring forward. Um, because he's got all the attributes to be a terrific player. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, moving on, if we won Ryan another, Ryan Gold. Um, he's been told he's free to depart sport in Lisbon despite having a year remaining in that bumper contract that he signed. Um, he left in the United in a three million deal back in 2014, signing a six-year deal that contained a 60 million euro buyout clause, which is just absolutely insane. Now he's spent the latter half of the season at Hibs, a injury and a bit of stinker at Ibrox didn't really you know, seem at his best. Apparently he can return to Lisbon for pre-season if he doesn't get anywhere um, in the summer, um, but the question is, I mean, where does he go for here? I think, with the, I think with Gold, first of all, regardless of the fact that it didn't quite pan out for him, I think we have to applaud the fact that he took that step early in his career, very early in his career actually. Um, all these things don't, nec- we don't see that many Scottish players taking that chance. And I don't think at any point there's ever been question marks over his attitude. I don't think that's why it's not quite panned out for him. I think anyone that's seen Ryan Gold is aware of the ability that he has. I know you talked about the the game against Rangers and he definitely didn't look like the player that he can be. But I reckon Ryan Gold can still really do a job for someone if he can steer clear of injury. Um, And as I said, I think he deserves credit for making that step. And I think... Regardless, even even though it didn't quite pan out for him, I think he'll have come back a better player for it. He'll have been testing himself against good players. He'll have been receiving instructions from coaches who have a lot of experience and maybe a different perspective than he would have been receiving if he'd been at Scotland in Scotland that whole time. So I think any club that Ryan Gold ends up playing for next season is going to get a more uh, or a, a better sort of well-rounded player than they would have done if he'd stayed in Scotland for the last five years. Yeah, I think he's been really unlucky throughout his career, actually. Um, he's not had the best of breaks because, um, obviously, he's very, very young when he goes up to Portugal and it takes a couple of years to adjust to the, the differences in the climate and the food and the and, and the, the just the game in general. And uh, I think you saw that in the first couple of loan spells that he had, but I think in his second or third loan spell, he was actually doing really well on the Portuguese top flight. And there was a... There was a uh, dispute between Sporting and the club that had him because they were about to play they, they'd played each other and um, the team had beaten Sporting in the cup final I can't remember the team uh, off the top of my head um, and they took Ryan, Ryan Gold back even though he'd been playing every game performing exceptionally well and he didn't play again that season uh, and he's barely played for Sporting uh, you look at the the, the Hibs transfer and uh, you you thought this is going to be terrific for Hibs you looked at that midfield you looked at the strikers and you thought mm, Ryan Golden they're coming to to supply these strikers I think there's going to be a lot of um, he's going to get a lot of um, opportunities here to, to really make a, a name for himself once again in Scottish football but uh, despite the fact he had a pretty positive start, uh, he got injured quite quickly. Neil Lennon, who was the man that brought him in, was obviously, obviously left to go. Um, well, <laughs> we don't, let's not go into the detail <laughs> of that, because um, nobody really knows anyway. Um, then Neil Lennon was back at Celtic. Obviously, Paul Heckingbottom came in and the lad was injured. I think it was a, a hamstring injury. And uh, he didn't really get a chance to get himself back into the, the frame until he played at Ibrox in that game. And I thought even in that game, you saw flashes of, of his quality, but overall he didn't have a good game. Um, I spoke to someone at Hibs today who said they just felt he'd been pretty unlucky um, and that, that the managers hadn't, hadn't really had a good opportunity to see him play, um, but they'd been quite impressed by his tactical intelligence, presumably something that he'd, he'd picked up in his time abroad. 
But I think I think Hibs is a perfect club for them in a way because they play good quality football. The fans appreciate someone who can get the ball out in the deck and make things happen. They've had a history of those kind of maverick players from George Best to Frank Sose. Um, and, and, and of all the top six clubs, they're the one that I would have said Ryan Gold will, will do well at. Um, now, I think there's other clubs in Scotland that are interested in Ryan Gold. It's whether or not going to an Aberdeen, for example, would suit his style of play or say a Hearts. Um, I think you're more looking at someone who has a commitment, a manager that has a commitment to get the ball down on the deck and play football. And that's what he needs. Somebody that has a commitment to do that and will offer him 50 games a season. And if he can do that, there's no reason why Ryan Gold can't become a, you know, a really, really, really good player once again in contention for Scotland place because the guy's got all the talent in the world. Uh, I saw him when he was 18 playing for Dundee United and uh, I didn't know anything about him. I'd heard about him a little bit, went along to Tanadice to watch him play. I was at my friend uh, who lives in Dundee. He's a big, big terror. Um, and uh, honestly, he took your breath away. He was so good. He was tenacious, loved a tackle, which you wouldn't expect from a player his size. But just his quality on the ball, his touch, his ability to find a pass. At 18, he was just dominating Scottish a Scottish Premier League game. It was uh, Dundee United won the game four one against Hearts, and he was he was he was imperious. And after the game, I said that boy is he's I've not seen a youngster that good for for quite a long time. And it's really really unfortunate the way his career's panned out since then because Scotland's not had um, doesn't have many players like that, not produced many players like that. So he'd have been terrific to have uh, as part of the national team, and hopefully he can get that get that going again. Absolutely, I think we can all hope, hope that he gets his career back on track, definitely. Okay, well just to kind of close up, um, even though Gaby, our right, resident angry young man's off today, we thought we'd have a take of inspiration, have a bit of fun at the end of the show. Now, the topic, um, football hipsters. Everybody hates them. We all admit we hate them, even the ones that deny their football talking about sports science earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> and and like craft beer, I'm just saying nothing, that's fine. There's many reasons. A, their beard, their craft beers, their generic tattoos, their basic lack of sock drawers, there's loads. Um, another reason is their terminology. You can be following fit your entire life and now there's these new things getting talked about that you have to Google. You've no idea what any of them mean. Um, so I'm going to ask you a pair a bunch of terms, some of which are real, some of which are totally made up, and you can tell me which is which. Now basically we're going to see if you're fit by hipsters in denial, or fit by Daz and waiting. <laughs> okay. Right, so... Adam looks scared, by the way. It, does, it doesn't yeah. come across well in the, the, in the no. podcast. <laughs> I feel like, feel like my craft beer's about to repeat. <laughs> right, okay, well, you go for, I'll go for a nice easy one for you, Adam, first of all. Um, you can just go for it. Um, Regista. Regista is correct, but as I'm not Gaby, I'm not able to explain what it is, but I know it is a term. <laughs> Essentially, Andrea Pirlo. It's, a, right, it's okay. the it's the man conducting the orchestra from the middle of the, the middle of the sitting midfield position. Deep lying um, playmaker, Adam. Oh, there yeah, you okay, go. Okay. So, right. I'll just warn you as well. Some of these are going to be English translations of the terms as well, because okay. one, I don't want to do my you know usual pronunciation that I do with these things, and two, it's a bit too obvious. So, Johnny, yes. space investigator. A space investigator. Yeah. Oh, right, so there is a German term for the player Thomas Muller, uh-huh. um, which uh, I, I'm not going to try and pronounce, but it, it's literally translated as space investigator. So it's correct. Yes, it is. It's a German term, uh, possibly Ramdeuter. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, my God. Right, <laughs> working with hipsters here. Right, okay. I've just got my brew dog. Just, uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Other craft beers some. are available. <laughs> Get some wax in that old beard. Adam, a hole puncher. 
I'm going to say no, not in a football context anyway. That is correct indeed. Johnny? Yes. A shadow striker. No, I think uh, a shadow striker. Hmm. <sighs> That's... I think I th- I'm going to say yes, it is, and it means like a someone who's a combination between a striker and a number ten. It's not quite a number ten, and it's not quite a striker. It's like Josh Windass at Rangers. Uh, that's what I'm going to go for. Correct. The definition that I found for it, because obviously I don't know, because I'm not a football hipster, is actually it's the, it's a new it's a new name for a false nine, because now the false nines went mainstream. Right. Your hipsters uh, they can't be calling it that anymore, so now it's a shadow striker. Right. So just to be an absolute weapon. So yeah, I should have said something. Messi rather yes. than Josh Windass. Yes, we're yeah. tr- you're trying to cover up your your, your thing here. Yeah. Um, Adam, mm-hmm. a lazy eye. Um, I'm going to say yes, but I couldn't tell you what it is. I, okay, right, I'll, I'll guess. Have a go. A lazy eye would be someone who has a wide range of passing ability but doesn't necessarily deploy it well. Very good. I've totally made it up, though. <laughs> oh, <there you> <laughs> Sounded plausible. It did exactly. You done really well. Um, Jordan Henderson. Oh, there you go. Well, we we the, should just classic, invent that. The classic yeah, lazy exactly. Johnny. Yes. A slack runner. A Translation. Slack, slack runner. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to say that's uh, false. Absolute hipsterism. It really is. Uh, okay. Well, we've got one more. Then Johnny's ran away with this. I'm afraid because hmm. um, he's an absolute hipster. Um, Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. So you have to pardon my pronunciation. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that you've not put post Cruyffian in here, which is my favourite. <laughs> that is, hipster. but you know, it's your favourite term. You can't actually, is this really use it every day just to describe yourself? <laughs> um, okay, Adam, I forgive, forgive my description, my, my pronunciation here rather. Um, Ngonshi? Um, um, no. Um, is wrong, I'm afraid. Yeah. It's an alternative term for a playmaker or second striker. So an advanced midfielder with less defensive duties and more about finding space and quick short passes. Like oh yeah, okay. If you said uh, Trequarista, yeah, that was obvious. Yeah, though. yeah. Well, okay. So yeah. There you go. Get up, you. Yeah, football <laughs> management terms. <laughs> Indeed. So basically, yes, I think we've discovered there that John is an absolute hipster of the highest order. Um, the growing be- my beard as we speak. Growing the beard as we speak. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, there's many jokes in there. I'm not going to make them because we'll just get edited out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's all for us for Football Scotland today. Um, you can catch us on our social media on Facebook and on Twitter at, at football underscore Scott. Um, if you want to give us a message, let us know how we're doing or just generally give us some abuse. You can get me on at Captain underscore Howdy, Johnny on at Johnny R. McFarlane. And Adam on at Old Firm Facts 1. Great stuff. Thanks very much. I'll see you tomorrow.